Good afternoon. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the first four verses there in chapter 3 as we continue our sermon series, which we've called Christ Alone. So we've heard about this church in Colossae about 2,000 years ago, and this church, we heard that they've, they heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and they responded with faith, and they are bearing fruit. They're doing well. We saw that back at the start of the letter. And then over the last two weeks from chapter two, we've heard that there are those who are trying to take them away from being established in the faith, from walking with Christ alone, and to sway them with teachings about other requirements, things like circumcision, food and drink rules, festivals, worship of angels. And both Ryan and Neil over the last couple of weeks have helped us think through how there were pressures on us as well today to turn away from Christ alone, maybe just a little bit at first and then more and more to follow after other things. But today we follow Paul's letter to the Colossians as he moves from uncovering these pressures to turn away from Jesus to instead unpacking for us the new life that Jesus opens up for his people. Remember from last week, we really focused in on verse 17 of chapter two, where it says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Anything that would take you away from Christ alone is like a shadow with no weight, no value, no power to it. But Jesus Christ is the substance, the real thing that you can grab hold of for yourself. So today in Colossians chapter three, we are going to see the substance. We're going to see for ourselves the powerful alternative to the shadows. So let's read together Colossians chapter three, verse, starting at verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let me pray before we go any further. Father, thank you that you have delivered us from the domain of darkness, from lives of chasing after shadows that just cannot satisfy and cannot save. And you have transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved son a place where we can have true life and find unending forgiveness for all our sins. Father, thank you that your grace and mercy for us, that they go beyond what we could imagine, that you are a patient father who doesn't give up on us when we get distracted and turned aside. But thank you that by your spirit, 
you help us to walk with Jesus. Father, this afternoon, please help us. Help us as we come to your word to understand. Help us to set our minds on things above. Help us to see and take hold of heavenly realities so that we would be transformed to love Jesus more, to love one another more, to love our neighbour more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So back in chapter 2, Paul described those things that I mentioned, those add-ons to the faith, as philosophy, human tradition, human precepts and teachings. And so it's significant here in chapter 3 that we are told, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You see, Paul isn't just calling us to a different philosophy, some other different way of thinking. No, it's not about some kind of construct that's been made up, but Paul is calling us to Christ, who is above, who is in the throne room of heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Paul is making a distinction here, that all this human philosophy and tradition are just things that are made up and invented. And Paul, you know, he even said in chapter two that they are plausible, these things. You know, some of the people there in Colossae who were coming up with these things, they could have been very smart. They were making a good argument that sounded like a good idea. And it's the same today. The way that you are told, yeah, you can define yourself for who you are. You know, even if it doesn't match real biology, even if it doesn't match the way that God designed life to work. You're being told that happiness is only found in following your heart wherever it may lead. And these human philosophies, they come from big places. They come from universities, from professors. They come from people who are really good speakers in government, who are really good at speaking on the TV. They come from places like Disney, who spend billions of dollars on the best storytellers, the best actors, the best animators on the planet to make incredible movies and TV shows. But they're filled with this kind of message. And they seem attractive. It's really interesting. I even know someone who went to see a doctor because of depression. And the doctor said, well, you know, your problem is there's no foundation to your life. You know, a a doctor in the NHS, an NHS psychiatrist, you wouldn't expect it to come from a source like that. But even they got it exactly right. The vast majority of kids growing up in the UK, what are they going to grow up with? There's not going to be a foundation of Jesus. They're just going to be left with this mixture of philosophies that don't truly make sense of life. And at the end of the day, all these alternative philosophies, the problem is that they've just come from people's thoughts. And so what Paul is trying to really show us here is the kind of difference that's going on. And when I was thinking about this, what really came into my mind was, I don't know if you've ever seen photos of some cities in the US. Um, Like there's a city called Salt Lake City, where it's right next to a huge mountain range. It's the same with Vancouver as well in Canada. And the the photos are really striking because 
These modern cities are like other modern cities where there's loads of skyscrapers. And so in the photo, you see there's all these kind of different buildings there and the buildings are impressive. You know, they've really invested millions of dollars into them. They've got fancy architecture. They're huge. And I'm sure the people who built them, they're all vying with each other of who's got the tallest building. I've got an extra floor. I'll put a spire on mine. But when you see the photos, these skyscrapers look tiny at the bottom and behind them, you see these huge snow-capped mountains and the buildings just look tiny. And in the same way, Paul is saying here, there's not really a comparison because down here we have these human philosophies. They're like right here on the ground. And instead, what we're supposed to do is to look up here to where Jesus is. Only Jesus is significant enough to be at the right hand of God, God the creator and sustainer of the universe. And that position there at the right hand, the right hand seat, that's the place of the highest favour, the highest authority, the highest honour. And what is Jesus doing there? He is seated. He's sitting down at the right hand of God. Why is that important? Well, in Hebrews chapter 10, we can read this. It says that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus sits because his work on the cross is done. Mm -hmm. It is finished. That Jesus, although he lived a perfect life without sin and didn't deserve to die, he hung on a cross for the sin, the wrongdoing of his people. And the death of Jesus Christ, the God-man, at one point in history, is enough to cover every sin, past, present and future. For anyone who comes to him, comes to Jesus in faith, he is able to make you clean. It's said there in Hebrews, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus sits in heaven because through the cross, he has in one sense already perfected forever his people. And so Jesus is above every philosophy, every human tradition, human precept, human teaching. In fact, just go and read Hebrews. It's a masterclass of saying Jesus is better. Jesus is better than angels, better than priests, better than Moses, better than Abraham, better than sacrifices. Hebrews goes on and on to make it clear that Jesus is above all. But you know, the best part of all of this is that Jesus is alive. Jesus rose to life three days after his crucifixion to never die again. And that is what changes everything if you come to Jesus in faith. 
So back in our text for today, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 starts, If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised. So it starts with a question, have you? Have you experienced the spiritual reality of being filled with the powerful working of God to share in the true everlasting life of Jesus? Have you had that experience of being born again? Because for those in Christ, we read, you have died, verse 3. And verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Notice that these are past tense. You have died. You have been raised. That they have already happened for the believer. And that's what we saw a couple of weeks ago with baptism. The baptism is a real beautiful picture of the spiritual realities that take place for the believer where it's said back in chapter two that you having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and did you catch that phrase in the middle there through faith through faith There is a union with Jesus and a real participation in his death and resurrection. In baptism, you're lowered under the water as your old self died and was buried with Jesus. And then you're lifted out of the water to new life as Jesus rose again. That is that the death and the new life, they already happened through faith. So baptism isn't doing anything, but it is a powerful picture of what has already happened. But once you've died and been raised, then what's next? And this is the point where the people in Colossae, they were being told that there are some extra steps to reach the next level. Okay, you died and you were raised, but now you need a bit more philosophy, you need some more stuff, you need some extra rules in order to kind of level up to the next level of being a Christian. But the next step to being a Christian is Christ is your life. Verse four, Christ who is your life. Verse three, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And that means that every single part of your life is defined by Jesus. What job are you going to do? How are you going to spend your free time? Where should you live? What should you spend your money on? What should you teach your children? What should you watch? What should you read? I could literally go on and on. Because there's literally no part of your life that is not changed if your life is in Christ. Now, for example, when I was doing my my PhD, things in my project hadn't really been working out. I'd spend lots and lots of time, four years, researching all these different topics. And when I got to the end, I had these collection of results, loads of them, but it didn't really help me to understand the answer. (laughs) And so I got to the point where I had to put things together into a thesis, present to the entire department, and I still didn't really know the answer. That's how research sometimes goes, by the way. 
And at that moment, it would have made a lot of sense to despair and to feel like a failure. But you know, I took those kind of feelings to this verse. It was a really big verse for me at the time. You have died and your life is hidden in Christ. My identity, identity, that's a word that is thrown around a lot these days. My identity is that I have died and whatever my life looks like now, I'm in Christ. It's the same as well when temptations come. How can we fight against sin? You know, when we struggle against sin, we don't have to go back and die again because that's already done. Remember, that was past tense. You have died. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. So these old ways of thinking and desiring have no more power or life in them. Your identity, who you are, is no longer those old patterns. You're defined by your new life in Jesus. Your life being hidden in Christ with God means that when there are failures, God doesn't see them. God doesn't cut you off or throw you away because of your failures. Your new life is still there, hidden in Jesus. And his perfection doesn't run out. You can't do enough to get outside of that truth of being hidden in Christ. There's nothing you can do where your father in heaven will say, that's enough. I don't want you anymore. And you see, shame will hold you back from a life shaped by Jesus. So tell yourself, my life is hidden with Christ. And let that grace, that grace shape you instead of shame. Remember that you have a new life. And so therefore you are free. You're free to forget about failure, about the sin, because it's already hidden. So you can turn instead to your father in heaven who is still keeping you. And so far, we've been talking about things that are done. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. You have died. You have been raised with Christ. But this time, our life here and now is short and passing. All of these realities that we've been speaking about are waiting for a final fulfillment. We see that in verse four. When Christ, who is your life, appears. That Jesus is coming back. Jesus will come back to the earth again on the final day and he will be coming in judgment. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. For those who are in Christ, who have already died to themselves and whose life is Christ, then you will appear with him in glory. It says you will, you will appear with him in glory. This is a certainty and a promise that you're not going to be just cast aside. You're not going to be cast into an eternal hell, but you will appear with him. If you are his, there is nothing that can separate you from him. You are hidden in Christ 
in God. So when he appears at the end, there will never be another moment for you to be apart from him. He will appear in the full radiance, holiness and glory of heaven. And there will be an eternal future for his people with him in the new heavens and the new earth. So, okay, what should we do with all of these realities? What should we do with Christ who is your life? Paul gives us this instruction. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We are to seek the things above. And seek doesn't just mean have a casual look around. You know, when you're playing hide and seek, you don't just saunter around and then, oh, I can't really see anyone, I'm going to give up, right? Seek means to search out, to plot out, to chase after them, to grab hold of them, to understand them, to dig into them. This is a call to a very intentional way of thinking. Rather than being shaped by all of these philosophies and things that you hear around you, instead, intentionally fix your mind on things above. We're being shaped all the time. We're shaped by TV, by the news. Children are shaped by what they hear in school. We're shaped by conversations with friends and family. We're shaped by what we see on social media. Even if we think we're doing nothing, we are being shaped by something. So instead, give yourself patterns and habits that frequently lead your thoughts back to Christ alone. Seek the things above. It means have a regular pattern of being in God's word. So that we can be reminded what God wants us to know. And so in that sense, it means creating time in the day. Seek for it. Make it. Set it aside. Find time to be filled up with scripture. You know, even if it's only a few minutes, just so that you have set your mind. I mean, Elia at the moment is... um, learning to read in school and they're teaching her these tricky words. Tricky means that the letters don't really make the sound you expect. Things like the, you think it's t, h, e, but it spells the, so it's kind of a tricky word. And it's not enough for her just to be shown once and then think, okay, now she's got it, you can set her off. But no, what she has is she has a list of these words and they go through them every week. And at the end of the week, we get the book to come back home and we do it at home as well. And I find even when I'm driving her back from the school, she is practicing to herself the, into, at. (laughs) And she's just reminding herself again and again. But we're formed by things by going back to them over and over. If there's something we want to know, we have to repeat it. And we know how to teach to children simple things like that. And we need to teach ourselves day by day what is true. But it's more than memorising. What we need to do is we need to let heavenly truths sink 
down deep by meditating on scripture. Taking the things that we've read, either things we read recently, things we heard on Sunday, things you read in the GC WhatsApp chat, things that you've maybe memorized before, and bringing them to mind and spending time quietly considering and unfolding the fullness of those things. Set your mind on those things, the things that are above, and let them sink down deep and shape you. And being a Christian is not just for a Sunday afternoon, not even for Sunday and a GC on Wednesday. No, instead, you have to let things above shape every part of your life. We get this uh, kind of picture from the Bible of a constant mindfulness of God. Things like in 1 Thessalonians where we're told to pray without ceasing. So we should remember God's word and then we should speak to him about it. So that there's an ongoing real conversation with the living God. And it might look like this. It might look like when you take a break from work and you go and make a cup of tea, that you spend just a couple of seconds to reflect, spend time speaking with God and reshaping your thoughts before you go back in. Or when you're doing something like walking or driving, or how about when you're just waiting at a bus stop or you're standing around? What's the first thing you're going to do? I bet that that's what most people are going to do. Pull out their phone, look at it, Instagram, Twitter. I'm going to be filled up with all sorts of different things. Not me. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And how about, yeah, interact with those around you if there's those around you. If you're there by yourself, why not just take a few seconds to set your mind on things above and speak to God about them? And, you know, setting your mind on things above is the most practical advice I could ever give you about growing in holiness. There's nothing else you need to do. You don't need a list of 10 things to do or you don't need to try and do more good things. You don't need to learn philosophy. You don't need to make more rules for yourself. There's a verse I love in 2 Corinthians that says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The way to be transformed in the new life that you have in Christ is to behold God in his word and gazing at him, beholding his glory on a continual basis, there will be a transformation to be more and more like Jesus, a glorious transformation. And this is from the Spirit, it says. The Holy Spirit in you gives you new life and draws your affections towards Jesus. And let's just take a moment to think of our greatest example, to think of Jesus himself. Jesus constantly spoke scripture. He constantly sought out times where he could be alone in quiet places to set his mind on things above and to speak with his heavenly father. 
and for Jesus, right, that this, this incredible heavenly mindedness didn't make him philosophical or filled with rules or aloof and uncaring. Jesus' heavenly sight led him to the service of others. So that's the vision. That as the people of God, you set your mind firmly on things above and you take every choice about how you spend your time, your effort, your money, your affection, and you set your mind in the direction of heaven. And this will change everything about life. If we want to be a people who are filled with fruit of the Spirit, right? That was not long ago that we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit. To be people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we want to be transformed people like that, people like that regardless of the situation, even when you're going through times that are trying, that are painful, that are difficult, or even times that are full of joy and other things to distract you. But if we want to be a people who are changed, who are filled with fruit of the Spirit, regardless of what we're facing, then we need our minds often dwelling on things above. So we came to these verses today, having heard last week, stay out the shadows, come to the substance of Christ. And now we have seen the substance. Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus, who is your life. Jesus, who is coming in glory. And next week, we're going to see and hear all about what it looks like to put off the old self, the old way of sin, and put on the new life and the new self. But here today in these verses... We have the secret to a life of being transformed. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. A new life that seeks out Jesus in his glory, on his throne, by the spirit, in his word. That is a life that is going to be transformed from one degree of glory to another. And is ultimately going to end with the eternity of Jesus appearing in his glory and us being with Jesus forever. So Jesus is your life. Seek the things that are above. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you gave yourself on the cross for us as a once for all time offering for sin. Thank you that we can find forgiveness in you and that through faith we can join in your death and your resurrection and come to this new life. Father, please help us to walk in the fullness of this life and Holy Spirit, help us to set our mind on things that are above, not on things on earth, so that we would become more like Jesus that we would be a people that love him, that love each other, that love those around us and live out your glory for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.